You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Before we start, I want to thank all of the We Are Libertarians patrons for being a part of the show. You can find out all of the benefits of subscribing on Patreon at joinwallplus.com. That's W-A-L-plus.com. You'll get bonus content, access to the complete archives. There's over a thousand shows that you can't get in the public feed, and you'll be supporting all of our great shows. Thank you especially to our $100 a month members, John Pusillo, Vincent Peichel, Lars Nordskog, Jakey Dell, Matthew Durbin, Reinhold, Christy Avery, and Jason Doolittle. We also want to thank our main sponsor for this episode. Uh, it is Iconic Insurance. 15% of Americans are left to find health insurance on their own. And even if you get health insurance from your employer that doesn't work for you, Matt Allen and Iconic Insurance can help you find the right insurance. Just head over right now and contact him at iconic-insurance.com slash libertarians. We'll put the link in the description if you can't remember that. But Matt is a longtime listener of this program and a great guy and a good friend of mine. So please go support him and reach out right now. Thank you. And now let's get started with our show. You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Welcome to the Chris Spangle Show. Thank you so much for being here. Ooh, the music is a little loud. Sorry about that. Thank you for uh, joining us here on the program. Today we're going to talk about something that uh, I've wanted to talk about for a couple months. Don't know a ton about, um, but it started popping up everywhere, and I keep seeing the letters ESG. What the heck is that? And, and all my conspiratorial-minded friends talk about BlackRock. Well, what's that? Uh, and so we're going to talk a little bit about that today because it's not a conspiracy and there's some uh, real uh, trade-offs with ESG and in their investments. So helping us sort all that out is Mike Viola. He is the head of analytics at the Foundation for Economic Education. He previously spent five years in investment research helping create one of the first databases of ESG and values-based investments and is a Young Voices contributor. And he uh, wrote an article in the thecentersquare.com, Republicans should follow Florida's lead on ESG investing. So, Mike, thank you so much for joining me here on the program. Yeah, thanks a lot for having me, Chris. All right. Explain to me what ESG means. Sure. So ESG stands for Environmental, Social, and Governance. It is mode of investing that got... That was originally started in the 90s, but is getting more popular in recent years that basically uses those three criteria as additional risk factors when assessing whether or not to invest in something. So if you were to look at, let's just take a random stock, Microsoft, people who are adding ESG considerations to their portfolio would also consider, say, poor environmental relations maybe they're they're dumping a product improperly um as say a risk factor when choosing to invest in it yeah and so the i i think the i get the environmental part and and really i don't want to pick on progressives but i is some of this suggested um subjective like you may look at a company that really values DEI initiatives, diversity, equity, 
inclusion initiatives, which improves their ESG score, or a company that is carbon neutral, which increases their ESG score, that can be good, right? Like, we're not necessarily, I'm not necessarily saying that it's good or bad. I'm just trying to understand more about it. Like, when you wrote your article about um, states divesting, like, do you have a negative view of ESG ratings? I do, because I don't really think they're serving the intended purpose, right? As I said, they were intended as a risk measure, but you made the good point that they sound extremely subjective. And I would certainly put that DEI world, which oftentimes is a part of those social S screens. um, I I would put that whole DEI world as something very subjective. Um, it, It also doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I mean, it, G... Well, I would think governance would normally you know, affect your investment before they ever came up with a movement of this sort. So I, I don't really understand why that's a factor considered on par with the, that more subjective social world. Right. So, so I get environmentalism and I get you know the social goals, but what does governance mean? What's that part mean? It mostly means what you think it means. Like, you know, are, are, do they have any say, regulatory problems? Has there been a lot of turnover on their board? Um, Basically, the things that you would expect to look for in a company if you were, say, a a big investor anyway. Um, And so I think almost putting that next to things as politically fraught as environmental and social factors um, has really made that movement a little more complicated and it's really enmeshed traditional investing a little too much with these more ideological turns right so essentially it's taking um what's the instead of stockholder capitalism which we've kind of traditionally thought of you know you buy 1400 shares of coca-cola and you make 20 percent on your money and the main goal for coca-cola is to return value to its shareholders and create profit and now we have stakeholder capitalism which is profit is important but we've got all of these other factors that we also must think about as well like environmental impact social impact um why is that a problem because Ultimately, you're taking the purpose of an investment. You're, you're alienating the purpose of an in- the actual returns, right? So like you said, in that shareholder capitalism world, you are investing to get a return at a risk level that you're comfortable with. Um, when you add in these environmental and social factors, though many many in that financial world deny it, you are basically sacrificing return in exchange for these goals. And when these are put into place in retirement plans um, and mutual funds that maybe people don't even know this is in there, um, you may your money may be used in that trade-off in ways that you don't even know. And so it's almost, it's, it's semi-forcible stakeholder capitalism in some sense because a lot of people who think they're investing to maximize the returns are not actually doing so so in other words if i'm investing in my 401k or my pension i'm expecting to get the maximum percentage of return possible it's not like your grandma's cds you know back in the day i don't know you may be a little young but when i was a kid 
you get CDs for your birthday because they got 2% return every year. And if you don't touch these, then in, by the time you're 85, um, meanwhile, the bank doesn't exist anymore. And NFIB is no longer around. Um, you know, we all look at our 401k and go, oh, it's down 20%. It's up 20%. And so, in other words, you're saying because people look at these as investments and they want maximum return, then when funds are investing in ESG funds, they're not doing their fiduciary duty. Generally, no. And so, I, I kind of want to, to maybe add a little caveat there. Um, and, and, you know, as if, if we get into maybe the, the more political details, it will come up again. But uh, the problem is some, in some sense, ESG is not a crazy proposal. Um, the idea that there are occasionally environmental factors that would, in fact, affect your return, that's real. There may be cases where, you know, like I said, environmental practices might lead them into regulatory issues or might say damage a necessary resource. Uh, I think the, the issue is more that they have become almost indistinguishable from progressive politicians' view on those very same, which is a very different question and one that not, does not actually line up with financial return. Yeah, I'm guessing that the Daily Wire's ESG score is not as uh, good as maybe HuffPo's ESG score, just to just use some examples. And that really seems to be the problem with ESG scores and the way that it's playing out. Like major banks are starting to say, you have to have a certain ESG score if you want to get money lent to you. Well, like you mentioned, if you're a progressive company, you have a better ESG score than maybe a conservative-leaning company or a company that doesn't play within the ESG realm. And that's really where the, the concern starts to come in. And and I know, uh, listen, think what you might, Mike and listeners, about Glenn Beck. Uh, I read his book, The Great Reset, because I see the term all the time. I didn't know anything about it. He has a whole chapter on ESG scores. Super well-researched, tons of documentation. And... I was really surprised at how every company and every person, whether they want to admit it or not, has an ESG score or will eventually have an ESG score, ESG score, and uh, how big banks and major corporations are starting to use this like a credit score. And that seems to be a huge, huge problem because for everybody who's not really progressive, Mike... Well, so in some sense, I could see where this becomes a slippery slope, right? Like if they are going to make these types of judgments, oftentimes not terribly well supported about companies that they choose to invest in down the line, you could see that causing trouble in other cases. I mean, this doesn't happen as much in the US, but um, in say Canada, remember people involved in the truckers protest, um, they started freezing their bank accounts, right? I think this weird confluence of the state and progressive ideology and the financial sector is worrying. I mean, I can't imagine ESG will ever get to that point in the near future, but <laughs> that's why taking action now to keep it out of, say, making decisions with state money um, is very important to avoid that ever happening. So you're saying Glenn Beck was overly paranoid? 
I wouldn't say anything nasty about him, but you know, I, I've <laughs> some have some have suggested that before, and in this case, he might have gotten a little ahead of himself. Okay, I mean, I want to know what ESG scores are actually being used for, and I get the the danger that he was kind of laying out because he was he was using the example of the Sports Illustrated swimsuit edition that no no one was allowed to advertise in the sports swimsuit illustrated edition unless they had significantly contributed to pro women's causes so and and they used esg scores basically to to score that so um so you're saying that that those are like extreme examples and by and large this is uh just sort of a a minor shift in you know in how investment works as opposed to oh my god every every right winger is going to get kicked out of everything yeah so i i think you know it, it's esg has almost been characterized as like that kind of social credit score but for a corporation and i think to some extent that's correct um the problem is i we also need to remember that like a lot of this is built around signaling, right? So a lot of those big asset managers that are running your mutual funds like BlackRock and Vanguard are advertising these, you know, ESG investment strategies. But when you look at the portfolios, they don't actually look all that different from non-ESG funds. So you also need to remember that the extent to which this is played up is oftentimes not because they really care. But it's because they think they need to appease, you know, progressives more so than they would appease conservatives or libertarians, right? They're sure. they're more afraid of losing progressive support in the investing world. And, and there's plenty of libertarians that agree with you know environmental environmentalism and and progressive social policy. So you know we're we're not all right wing. I'm I'm a right winger, but um, not all of. The, our listeners are, but yeah. I, okay. All right. I get it. So BlackRock is mentioned a lot and uh, the CEO of BlackRock, I forget his name. What is Black Larry Fink. Larry Fink. Tell me about Larry Fink and BlackRock. Who are they and why are they so often mentioned as some sort of evil corporation? Yeah. So Larry Fink, um, CEO of BlackRock is pretty publicly opinionated about um, climate change and supporting climate action. Uh, BlackRock is the biggest asset manager in the United States. Um, they, of course, run many mutual funds under their own name. They uh, run the iShares line of ETFs that there's a good chance you've been invested in if you're on an app like Robinhood or have a brokerage account like Charles Schwab. Um, they run um, major, major funds that are in retirement accounts all over the country, which is how most Americans invest. So uh, it, it wouldn't be crazy to say that perhaps a majority of Americans are in some way financially exposed to BlackRock's success. Uh, Larry Fink has been, again, very public about the need for climate action, and many people have interpreted his public words with um, as being related to BlackRock's ESG turn in terms of investing. And because of that, a number of red states have gone out of their way to remove all BlackRock products from any investment plan that they run. So oftentimes for people who worked 
for state and local governments will get, it can be a pension or a 401k plan that uh, they probably have have funds for multiple asset managers in them, but obviously BlackRock would have played a big part being the biggest asset manager in the US. Uh, and these states have said, no, we will not do business with them because we perceive Larry Fink's words as being hostile to say fossil fuels and all sorts of environmentally fraught uh, sectors that are more common in red states than blue. So let's talk about those states and and kind of explain the economics. So I remember Richard Mordock was the treasurer of our state here in Indiana and came and spoke to a meeting that I was at and talked about how the treasurer is like the chief investment officer for the state of Indiana and their pension funds. And they take money and invest those into different companies and funds. And he mentioned Vanguard and, you know, they had Mitch Daniels had leased off the toll roads and they'd taken that $700 million and put that into a fund that the treasurer was managing and they made all this interest on it. Uh, And they basically are like chief investment officers across the nation and state treasures. But some states, South Carolina pulled $200 million out of its funds run by BlackRock. Uh, Louisiana announced a $794 million divestment from the firm. And the Louisiana treasurer, John, John M. Schroeder, according to your article, said, simply put, we cannot be party to crippling of our own economy. What does he mean by that? Basically, he means that if we take Larry Fink's words to their log to their logical conclusion, that would require a divestment from fossil fuel production, which uh, many Southern states, uh, most famously Texas actually, are involved in. Um, it So I actually think he's basically right in the sense of, if you were to take Larry Fink's words to their logical conclusion over the years, that would in fact suggest that he doesn't want us to be using fossil fuels anymore. Um, I think the reality is a little more complicated because um, BlackRock has actually invested in a ton of fossil fuel companies. They've spent about shocked, um, th- right? They've they've invested about um, about a hundred billion in the Texas energy sector, which is mostly oil. Uh, and you know, oftentimes, I mean, I I'm okay with them doing so. I think you know, I totally believe in cleaner energy sources, but the answer is going to be purely incremental and never, you know, some grand off switch for fossil fuels. And so, you know, their words didn't really line up with their actions. And so unfortunately taking that action against BlackRock isn't really going to change much because when you really dug into their investments, they weren't boycotting fossil fuels necessarily in the first place. Yeah. And in your article, BlackRock invested over $100 billion in the energy sector in Texas alone. Um, and Texas, the, biz- the business... Ugh, I can't speak today. Um, so 19 right-leaning states have signed on to a letter. Can you talk about the letter to BlackRock and, and what this is intended to do? Yeah, so their letter alleged, among other things, that BlackRock was engaged in anti-competitive practices uh, because, of course, many people with investments in in state plans with their funds in them didn't really have a choice um, whether or not they were invested in them and alleged that they were engaging in 
a climate-related fossil fuel boycott. Uh, as I mentioned, their portfolios don't actually suggest that they're really boycotting anything. And um, both the company itself and Larry Fink walked back the idea of any sort of boycott. Um, they didn't totally change their tune on maybe their broader climate agenda, but they they really, really, really rebutted this as far as um, them actively boycotting anything. Um, and then a number of states, after sending that letter, proceeded to remove it from all of their state-run investment plans. Um, the allegations in the letter, as, as I mentioned, the problem is they're only true if you take their words at face value and don't look at what their investments were doing. <laughs> um, the result of that is they essentially divested from their plans and essentially lessened options for their state's residents. That, that's right? kind of my so, that's kind of my question here because I'm I'm I don't know quite what to think of it because I get like the state. Listen, I'm not I'm a libertarian, right? Like, but it sounds like the government is kind of a client, and they're sort of saying we don't want to participate in this marketplace, but they're also limiting the choices of the people that they're they're work. So help help me sort through that. Like at, from a libertarian perspective, I don't know if you're a libertarian. Maybe you don't call yourself a libertarian, but I am. But you know, you work for fee, so I'm guessing you've got some free market chops, right? So how how do we kind of unpack that? Like, are who, who am I on the side of the big government uh, treasure? Am I on the side of the uh, the the big government businessman here? Like, help me sort out what to think about it. <laughs> Yeah, right. It, so it, I think it's totally a tough one. Um, I think they're, they would have a point if they really thought they were saving the industry of their state by, you know, with, by getting BlackRock out of their plan. But ultimately, I think they're just, they're engaging essentially in, in grandstanding ESG, right? Their political like, like, grandstanding, like, right? They're trying to yeah, get on their local right. talk radio channel to get numbers, right? Right. They basically just thought, like, what if we just do the exact opposite and we say anyone who, you know, doesn't want to invest in fossil fuels isn't even allowed here. Um, while I don't even necessarily like the entire network of investment plans being tied up with the state in the first place, like, that's just the world we need to accept. Uh, but they weren't being very good stewards of their state's employees' money by... Um, categorically rejecting that firm for its personal beliefs, um, even when it wasn't actually being manifested in the way it was investing. So your article, I mean, the title says Republicans uh, should follow Florida's lead on ESG investing. What is Florida doing differently? Because you mentioned in the article, they're not part of those 19 signatories. So what's up with Florida? Yeah, well, Ron DeSantis, I mean, one of the most famous culture warriors did not sign on to this letter, nor did, you know, the, the equivalent, um, I, I don't know if Florida has a controller or a treasurer, but whoever it is, they didn't sign on. Um, so um, instead, what he did was he went into their pension plan and he put in, um, it, it, into their governing documents, uh, par paragraphs, declaring that they would only consider what he called a pecuniary factor. 
that is like a factor relevant to risk or return. Um, he, he declared that no non-pecuniary factors would ever be considered, including those of political or social considerations. Uh, and so DeSantis has very much decried ESG in public. I think he has, you know, kind of used it as a catch-all term for all of this, you know, the possible ideological investing schemas. The woke corporations but, that he's fighting. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. And but what's interesting about his plan is that it doesn't specifically exclude any, you know, sub-advisory from asset managers that are involved with the SG as long as that, you know, they follow Florida's rules. Uh, and it doesn't preclude them from considering like environmental factors where they actually do make sense, right? If someone's uh, dumping waste into Florida, you know, the, the Gulf of Mexico, well, actually, I think that probably is an important risk factor that should be considered. And technically speaking, the Florida pension plan could still consider that. All right, I'm going to stop you there because I don't even know what the word pecuniary means. Can you please explain that concept to me? Yeah, factors that would uh, affect the risk or return of the investment. All right, so in other words, he is saying shareholder capitalism or or die, basically. Yeah. Okay. Gotta love it. And so he's saying we're not going to kick BlackRock out of the state because BlackRock may have valuable assets that we want to invest in, but we're going to prioritize and only invest in the the uh, shareholder capitalism stuff and not the the stakeholder capitalism stuff. That's right. Okay. That seems to me to be a, a, a little more logical. It's still... Uh, a little grandstandy. It, I, I guess what I'm frustrated by, Mike, and it's not your fault. It just feels like everybody's just full of crap. <laughs> am, am I wrong in that everybody's just sort of doing the same thing that they've always done and will continue to do? They're just trying to like position themselves as opposed to make a difference for their side. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to argue with that. Uh, I would say, you know, if, if there's something I can say positively about the DeSantis decision is that grandstanding or not, he clearly did his homework, which I don't think those state attorneys generals or, or treasurers and, and people who made those types of statements, I don't really think they did their homework. Um, so whether or not you know, DeSantis's heart <laughs> is in the right place or he's just grandstanding, it's kind of beside the point because he's clearly made the calculation that getting this right will help him. Uh, I think part of it now is like, all right, we know you're all full of it, but we just want someone who's remotely competent. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, think, yeah. I think that's part of he's why he's getting, you know, some of the, the Mitch Daniels, Mitt Romney crowd to go, all right, maybe I'm all in on DeSantis because at least he can govern as opposed to whatever this all has been. Um, uh, yeah. So, all right. So ESG scores, something to keep an eye on, not necessarily the uh, George Soros, Larry Fink infiltration of all of the world. Correct? Correct. Okay. I think, you know, again, a, a vigilant populace will prevent that from ever happening. Right. And, and in some respects, these states are probably doing the right thing because you correct me if I'm wrong, but they manage a lot of money, right? They hold a lot of sway in these industries. 
That's right. And so while at least bringing attention to the political question, uh, I think they're basically in the right. Their solution, not so much, but they're certainly right to complain about it, especially when they're in charge of stewarding investments for lots and lots of people. All right. What else am I missing? What else should we what what should we add on this topic that maybe I don't know to ask you? Yeah, well, I mean, so there's there's all sorts of ESG funds. I mean, again, a lot of this is just a marketing ploy and it will barely even affect what you're invested in. But like this is maybe just a good time for, you know, if you're invested in your IRA, like taking a little look at what you're actually invested in. And if you see ESG, look into what that actually means to the company you're invested in, right? Like you might own BlackRock funds, you might own Vanguard funds, you might own all sorts of smaller, you know, asset management companies that you might not have heard of other than the fact that it's in your IRA or 401k, right? So I think here it's just like staying just slightly aware of the issue and understanding what that really means to the companies who are claiming to follow some sort of ESG process. It's kind of the best way to make sure that your your money isn't going towards something you don't support. Ugh, Mike, you're so for woke corporations. I can't take it, man. <laughs> Where are you going to start fighting the woke, man? All right. Uh, shameless self-promotion. I'm just being sarcastic for the libertarians out there listening, by the way. Uh, Mike, shameless self-promotion time. Tell us where we can follow your work and learn more about the subject. Yeah, so, um, well, as far as ESG is concerned... Uh, a lot of places have written about it. The Wall Street Journal has uh, done a ton of work on it. Vivek Ramaswamy, um, he's, or did I get that? Uh, dude, I, don't I even ask me. Book. I'm the worst at pronouncing. If, like... Right. Well, they've done a lot of good reporting on kind of the financial world. You, you can look up the journal's various writing about it. They've taken a bit of a, an ESG skeptical stance that we really, really needed. Um Foundation for Economic Education, feefee.org, uh, where where I work, you know, a number of our, you know, on-staff people and guest writers have written about ESG for us. And as far as my work, you can follow me on Twitter at MF underscore Viola, and uh, you can sometimes see scripts I wrote for fees short videos on the Foundation for Economic Education YouTube channel. What, what do you do there? So I'm... My primary role there is as sort of the head of analytics. So figuring out how many young people we're reaching, how we can reach more of them, what about our content really appeals to them, and just making sure we really get that liberty message out in front of as many young eyes as possible. Uh, you know, as, as you may know, Fee has both a big online reach with short and long form written content, videos, social presence, and we also do in classroom programs for high school and college students. So like we are really all about getting economic education into, you know, young people's heads. So these types of conversations are are a lot easier to have and you know, we have maybe a more libertarian friendly generation coming up. Yeah, well, I definitely recommend everybody go check out fee.org. I love the organization I have for a long time and you guys do great work and uh you have great branding too. I love the look of it. It's just very pretty, and it's only gotten prettier over the last decade. So, uh, excellent work, Mike. Thank you so much for being my guest. Thanks a lot, Chris. Really enjoyed it. 
Thanks so much for joining me here on the Chris Spangle Show. We really appreciate it. And as always, if you got something out of this, if you learned something, then please share it with your friends. That is the best way that you can help uh, the content creators that you love. Mike understands that. He's nodding along. He knows. So please hit that share button and tell people, hey, listen to the show. All right. Thanks so much. We will see you again soon. And uh, thanks.